What is up everyone, Dalton here. Before we hop into this episode, I just have a couple quick announcements. First off, thank you for tuning in. The support on the podcast so far has been amazing. We're super excited about the community that we're building here with Move Local. So we cannot wait to continue to grow and meet more amazing people. If you guys aren't following us on Instagram, head over there and follow us, move.local as well as sign up for our newsletter if you want to make sure that you don't miss out on any new releases of episodes, of merchandise, of exciting news that we have coming up for the Move Local community. Head over there, sign up so you do not miss out. You can find that in the bio on Instagram or in the show notes below of this episode. And then lastly, guys, if you've liked or took value from any one of our episodes so far, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you consume your podcast, subscribe to Move Local, and drop us a review and a rating. It really helps our podcast grow. It helps us get good feedback from you guys, what you want to hear more of, what you want us to improve on, so that we can continue to provide you with the best content possible and grow this amazing community. That is all I have for today. Enjoy this episode of Move Local. Welcome to the Move Local podcast. Our mission is to connect the movers and shakers of the Duntas and Hamilton area who pride themselves on growing a healthier and more connected community. We will do this through having conversations around health, education, entrepreneurship, and much more. We want to be part of helping you move confident, move free, and move local. What's going on, beautiful people? Welcome back to the Move Local podcast brought to you by The Movement. My name is Dalton, and with me today is my beautifully bearded friend, William. William, how are we doing today? Doing good. little sore from uh, bringing this table into this room. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're podcasting on our brand new kitchen table in our, in our lounge area, and it's a 400-pound cement table that we carried in. Um, Don, who unfortunately is not joining us today, so you won't hear his voice, but he is a, a very optimistic person, let's say that. And yeah. he just kind of makes things get done, which is which is a good thing, but you never know what you're in for with Don. You might be carrying a 400-pound table into your into your space. That's right. Always be ready when you come to the movement. <laughs> exactly. um, also, happy birthday, man. So as we're recording oh, this you. podcast, September 16th, Will turned 28, young buck with a long beard we uh we're happy for him so how you feeling feeling a little older i feel like i'm a little bit older than i was yesterday (laughs) naturally right yeah um all right guys we're gonna come back with uh another episode here um so today on the podcast we have jamie waldron he's a butcher um in the local dundas area but i know he's also in other spots around ontario um so we're gonna have him on to talk about all the great things he do he does so jamie welcome Thanks very much for having me, and happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Right on. So Looking how, forward to this. <laughs> yeah. How's your day been going so far? It's been a busy day, um, so I can't complain. Uh, it ebbs and flows, and today was definitely a jam-packed day, so it was uh, it was fun. Cool. Yeah. Why don't we, let's, let's just start there, actually. Like, what's a busy day for you, then, in the life of, like, a butcher slash entrepreneur, because you're running your own business? Uh, well, a busy day for me gets me, has me pulled in like a million different directions. So because it's me and me alone, I am the, the bookkeeper, the butcher, the package wrapper, the floor sweeper, the dish doer, everything. So that 
means all those tasks fall on my shoulders. Um, but on a day like today, like I'm like in there first thing in the morning, I'm packaging up sausages, I'm delivering the sausages to, to a couple of different locations around. Um, I'm back in the workspace to complete butchery tasks for uh, shares that are going out. I actually had a farmer drop off a lamb and wait for it today while I butchered that cut and wrap for him to go back to his farm so he could sell that. Um, yeah, there's just like any day can be a number of things and then there's curveballs. So yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say like Mondays, you know, XYZ happens, Tuesday XYZ because someone's going to throw in an ABC. Yeah. It's just always different and keeps me on my toes. I think we can relate to that for yeah, sure. Yeah. But how did you get into the line of work in the first place? Uh, good question. Uh, not really a romantic story of like <laughs> generations in my family. I honestly just needed a job when I got out of high school and I was a directionless kid. Um, you know, didn't really have a plan. Uh, and I, again, I needed a job. So some friends of mine were working at a small butcher shop in the next town over and you would know uh, Kingsville. Yeah. So down in Southern Ontario. And I just kind of like needed to make some money to start paying my way as a kid and uh, got a job there. That enabled me to get my foot in the door to what ultimately would become like life changing uh, or at least a foundational job anyway. So I got a job at Remark Farms. So the Kingsville story is whatever. It was just like a kid needing a job, got the job. The job provided me a foot in the door to Remark Farms in Windsor. Uh, and that's pretty much what I would say laid the foundation for me for this line of work. I mean, don't get me wrong. I tried really hard to not do this. This was not in the cards for me. This was, I was at an age where, you know, I had some vegetarian friends and people that were becoming a little bit more conscious. I don't want to give my age too far. You know, I don't want to give my age up that way. But um, so I was at an age, you know, 19, 20 years old when, yeah, people were vegetarians and that was starting to become like on vogue and like people were starting to be conscious of what they were eating. So honestly, butchery was not top of mind for me to do. Um, I tried like heck not to do it, uh, but it was always a job I fell back on. Uh, sometimes it got me work, like working in restaurants, um, you know, and then I would kind of like stray away and go work at courier company or go work landscape, you know, just other jobs and stuff like that. But butchery always just provided me a stable kind of like I don't know, safety net to fall back on. Um, but it wasn't until, uh, I don't know, maybe 12 years ago that I actually started taking the job seriously and started pursuing avenues that would get me to where I wanted to be, which is where I am now, I'd like to think. Um, yeah, so I don't know if I strayed too far or went off on a big caveat. But anyway, so yeah, that's that's kind of like the story, the, the foundation, so. Yeah, and what, I'm interested to hear what kept bringing you back. You said you didn't want to end up in this line, the line of work. What was it that drew you back to it? So uh, myself and countless other you know, people in the food industry got drawn back into the food world via the Food Network because like my foundational years were almost at the time when the Food Network took off. So you would have all of these like not necessarily reality shows, but like sort of in a way where it was like behind the scenes of like, you know, restaurants and what was going on in restaurants and the food. And all of a sudden these like top tiered chefs like Jamie Oliver and Gordon Ramsay were starting to really expose like the nature of food, how food was raised, the, the care that goes into it by good farmers. And I just like got absorbed in that. And I thought, you know what, food is, is where it's at. And I, you know, um, some friends of mine were like really into cooking and it was just like opening up this whole world of food to me. Um, I knew that I could not do the chef hours I can't do afternoons into late nights and then and then stay up all night. Like that's just not me. I just I'm not built for that. And I thought, what would allow me to have some sort of like a normal life, quote unquote, 
um, and butchery, right? You get up in the morning, you work into the afternoon, it gets crazier on the holidays and you know, it kind of still provides you with a stable kind of like life. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I could always go back to that world. So I went into butchery and then all of a sudden that opened up to me as well. So I started looking at like farms. Like these are issues that as a 19 year old, 18 year old kid, you don't give, you don't care about that stuff, right? Like honestly, like I'm in the business, I'm just doing it as a paycheck. That's what it was. But once I started to peel back the layers of butchery and finding out like, oh, hey, these animals are raised on farms and it's probably better if they're raised on a small farm where the farmers are giving a little bit more attention to the way that the animals are raised, what they're fed, how they're treated, so on and so forth. So I just start absorbing and absorbing and absorbing like almost like like obsessively. I'm reading books. I'm finding whatever information I can online. I'm, I'm like just scouring. I'm ordering books that this is like around the time when Amazon was coming around. So I'm ordering books from like overseas that are costing an arm and a leg to get over here. It was just like this whole thing. So I've got this pretty impressive library right now, food related books. But um, yeah, that just like, that's when I started to take it really serious is when I took a deep dive into the world of food and knew that butchery would provide me that that opportunity to really dive deep into that world. Yeah. So you're starting to get serious and then how did that lead to starting what you're doing now? Well, that is a uh, long and tangled story. But, so, uh, all roads led to Dundas. So that's kind of how we ended up in this area because it was about in 2007-ish, I want to say. I think so. I don't know. My timeline gets kind of foggy at times. Anyway, um, I was doing these deep dives into like online and, and trying to find like videos and just absorb because I didn't have a lot of opportunities where I was um, to get into that small farming world, whole animal butchery. Just, these things became like passions of mine, but I didn't have a lot of opportunities in the Windsor area to explore those at the time. So as I'm kind of going through like YouTube videos, I stumble upon this Australian guy breaking down whole animals and he owns three butcher shop, two butcher shops, one in Toronto and one in Dundas. And I just like become obsessed with these videos and I'm watching them over and over again and he's dissecting the animals and I'm getting a better handle on like where a lot of these muscle cuts are coming from and it just becomes like a, an important piece of, uh, of knowledge for me. So one weekend some friends and I and my and my partner are in Niagara and uh, on our way through um, I thought well let's stop in Dundas it's off it's just off the highway we can we can make a quick quick stop in so the first time we've ever seen Dundas we come to the Cumbrays that's the the trip uh, and the owner at the time was in as luck would have it he gave me a full tour of the shop showed me everything and I was just like oh my god this is like dream scenario um, so he and I keep in touch and um, one thing leads to another and a job offer comes and I somehow convinced my partner to move three hours away from our like life in the Windsor area. She's from Peely Island. I'm from Harrow. And we're in Windsor. And it's just like family, friends. Everything's there, right? You've grown up there. You've gone to school there. So everything's there. But it's just like I convince her somehow that we're going to move three hours away so that I can like take a deep dive into this. And it just like evolved from there. So I move up here. I'm working in this whole animal butcher shop where I'm at Cumbrae's and like unbeknownst to me really at the time, it's just like Cumbrae's is like probably Canada's best, North America's best, something like, honestly, like the shops are amazing. So we go into Dundas because I know that I can't get her to go to Toronto. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Moving from Peely Island to Windsor was one thing, but then Toronto would just be like totally <laughs> off the map. So we end up in Dundas and we stay here for probably about four years. Um, and then an opportunity comes to move back to the area. So we go to Kingswood, open up a butcher shop. 
um, got into a partnership with some people that didn't work or uh, well or end well. So we step away from that situation. Um, I'm not really at a real high point in my life. I'm working at a job that I'm not really enjoying too much. But um, so we're just kind of like, like something's got to give. Um, and an opportunity came to move back up here. So we took the opportunity to move back up here. I ended up not working immediately back at Cumbrace, but I took a job. I was kind of just doing like freelance work, if that sounds right, in the butchery world. So I would go and work a little bit at Cumbrace here and there because I already knew the system. So I could go to Toronto and work there. I could work in Dundas. So that was kind of happening. I took a job at Whole Foods eventually. And then I took a job with the Landmark Group at the time, now Pearl Hospitality, and then kind of developed a bit of a meat program for them. And then Cumbrace needed another full-time butcher. So here I am, I'm back at Cumbrace. So then I work at Cumbrace for about another five years, four or five years. So that's my second tour of duty. And then um, leave Cumbrace uh, and go open up a shop in downtown Hamilton. And then go back to Pearl Hospitality to work for them. And then COVID. Oh, gosh. So there's a, I know there's a, like a time frame that's just all over the map there. I apologize. Yeah, but no. it's kind of like I would have to put it on paper for it to actually make sense to me personally. <laughs> um, so anyway, so then, uh, yeah, working at Pearl Hospitality, which is a restaurant group, COVID hits. Yeah. Done. So that bottom falls out from the restaurant world. I've got this plan in mind that we executed slightly in Windsor, which was a meat share program. Um, and then all of a sudden it's just like, well, meat share program, here we go. Yeah. So that's when it launched. I kid you not, I went and saw the first space that I was working out of, which was uh, at the Burnt Tongue on Lock Street, probably about a week before COVID got serious where they shut it down. Um, and then as luck would have it, like, for me, not the rest of the restaurant world, the space was available and they were like, yeah. yeah, sure, go ahead. So anyway, that's how the the meat share in the Hamilton area was birthed. Yeah, and I mean, I know it was like a long timeline, but I think it's good to lay that out because it's interesting for me to just listen to the story and it just shows, and for people listening, like, it's never linear. <laughs> it's yeah. all over the place. And I can tell, even just looking on your website and even just hearing you talk, like there's a passion there for it and there was a purpose that you found at some point reading through all those books and it just hit you. And I think a lot of times people think that like, oh, it's just that light bulb moment, that purpose comes on and then all of a sudden it's just like, poof, you're here and you have your, your ideal world. Mm -hmm. And it's not like that. So I think it's cool to hear like you talk about the different journeys and how you how many different things you had to do to just end up where you are right now, which is, which is cool. Edit at will. Because I know that meanders. No, I think, I think it's great. And where I want to go, go next is like, now you open your own spot. Mm. And I think, I think a good thing to do would be to talk about what kind of makes you a diff, different from mm. other people and talk about like the whole, the whole, sorry, I might be botching it, but like when you're talking about like using the whole meat or what, the whole animal, the whole animal, yep. yeah, that kind of aspect of your, of your approach. Okay. So, um, I don't normally like to point out what other people are not doing. I like to just kind of focus on what I'm doing, which is exactly what you asked for. Mm. So it's not like, a, well, you know, I do this and they don't do that. But so my program is built strictly around animals that are kind of being able to ex express their natural evolutionary, whatever you want to call it, I don't know, habits. Um, so anyway, so all the animals are on pasture when possible. Um, there's certain legalities that are involved in there that I don't want to get into. But anyway, the, like the poultry that I use is an antibiotic-free, hormone-free chicken that is, you know, in open-sided barns. Best case scenario for the level that they grow. Uh, the pigs are on pasture. The lambs are on pasture. The beef is 100% grass-fed, grass-finished, all on pasture. So um, 
But in order to support a system like that, you can't really get into it unless you're moving in high volume in order to move all those products out. I don't operate in a high volume situation, so I have to sell the whole animal. So that's how the meat share works. So for instance, on a pig, normally I'll put about like eight people. So everybody gets one eighth out of a whole pig, which generally equates to about 20, 25 pounds. That way that enables me to move the whole animal because I don't work on an inventory basis where it's like, oh, you know, you can come in and buy just pork tenderloin and some sausages and be on your way. Like it doesn't work like that. So um, yeah, it's just an equal amount, a nose to tail eating experience that people partake in because they are purposely seeking out this type of a product. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, it, it does. Do you, were you going to say something? I was going to ask if like there's something about Dundas in particular that's good for what you do with that. We are in such a great location because I have farmers and when we talk local, um, like we get local here. Like we are in a very fortunate position agriculturally that I have access to the most amazing farms um, and they're just doing such a good job like providing the amount of meat that I need on a consistent basis. Um, but they're not like tipping the scales over into like a large farming operation. So like for instance, the beef farmer is happy to provide me with two head of beef a month, which is great. Um, pigs, don't generally seem to be a problem. Lambs either, uh, and chicken doesn't rarely ever see, be, uh, seem to be a problem either. So we're in a like a, I'm in a I'm in a comfortable position where I get to work with farms that I still consider small that aren't going into that that other area of like becoming like you know factory farms or getting into large quantities. So we're in a great spot not only just for animal agriculture but for like fruits and vegetables. Um, you know, there's, there's mills around here that you can get like flour from right from the mill. Like, I mean, I, I'm sure it's you know, like part and parcel to the fact that we have a large population density being in the GTA and Toronto so close, but there's just an abundance amount of good things being grown and you can say local and you don't have to get, you know, tricky and pull some mental gymnastics or verbal gymnastics with what local means. You don't have to get into those subtle nuances mm -hmm. because local really means like within, 50 to 100 kilometers like you don't have to say well it's local it's ontario it's like no it's literally in the gta like i have access to all this stuff so this works uh, as a perfect geographical location to be able to do this type of program and why the nose to tail approach like why did you choose that direction why is that like important to you because that allows me to use the whole animal and people that buy into the program I think see value in that not only from a financial standpoint because the price point tends to be lower um, buying a nose to tail but I don't have the opportunity like I said I have two beef a month like I don't have the opportunity for somebody to come to me and just say like I would like uh, you know what out of that 20 pound meat share can I just get New York strips it's just like no there's 16 or 15 other people on that whole beef that I need to divide it up equally. Mm -hmm. So it quickly weeds people out that, you know, and I don't harbor any grudges. It's just not for them, right? Like I know that I'm not out to please everyone, but I think it's that certain clientele that it maybe has a challenge finding 100% grass-fed beef. It's not as easy as you may think to find. Right. So I'm providing an opportunity to get it, but I just can't really cater to the crowd that only wants like the prime cuts like there's right. a whole animal as out of a 600 pound steer i've got eight pounds of beef tenderloin like what am i supposed to do with the rest of it right so mm -hmm. when everybody's share they'll get new york strips or fillets or ribeyes of course that's going to be provided i would i would think i would be doing a disservice if i didn't but also out of that you're going to get like 
bavettes and flat irons, but you're also going to get ground beef. You're going to get bones because people like to make beef stock. That's still an opportunity. Um, I make beef sausages. Like there's all sorts of other really interesting things in there that maybe people aren't subjected to if they shop at a grocery store or whatever the case may be. I think it's introducing people to other opportunities within the carcass to cook as well too. So it's it pulls people out of their comfort zone. Yeah. It's great because I think honestly one of my biz, biggest successes that I think when I get emails or people reach out to me through social media and say like, about your beef share, but I've got this cut, let's say it's a tri-tip. What the heck do I do with the tri-tip? And then I get to have those conversations with them. They'll feed back, you know, that loops back to me and they'll say, oh, that man was so good. Thanks, I want another tri-tip in my next beef share kind of thing. So you get people kind of amped up about the process too. You expose them to new things. Um, Yeah. It's definitely like a different way of going about buying your meat you know oh yeah like like that's it's something like even for me like before i was like i kind of knew what a meat share was but like Mm -hmm. not really so like yeah do you do much like teaching of people for this type of stuff or like how do you kind of funny you should ask uh (laughs) before covid before before these times um i had a very brisk like teaching uh, situation that I was doing like or I was teaching honestly like all over Ontario so we'd go back to the hometown in, in the Windsor area and I would have classes down there up to Ottawa everywhere in between I would be teaching these hands-on workshops for people that would come and participate in uh, more often than not whole pig butchery classes and we would break down the whole thing and over the course of three hours they would learn all the parts of the pig how it was raised how it was like harvested and so on and so forth and then they would get in there break it down and everybody would go home with their one eighth of the pig all packaged up nice and neat for the freezer and uh that would be the end of it and like those proved to be quite interesting classes and then yes that would expose them to all the different parts of the animal and maybe different cooking techniques or parts that they'd never ever heard of or the light bulbs would go off and go oh i recognize that cut that's where it comes from so and that was just like a a wide cross-section of people that would come into these workshops it would be like everybody from people that are raising pigs on their own homestead to like you know uh you know women that just lived at home and chiefly took after the looked after the home economics and and wanted to like other opportunities to cook or whatever have you you dream it vegetarians that were converting over to meat eating honestly everybody in between it was it was quite the cross-section so it was always interesting to have those workshops but sadly we're we're in we're in these times right now so that doesn't exist so yeah I think that's a cool opportunity. Like, I'm curious to hear, like, what are, like, are people often surprised about, like, what you're teaching with, like, the the nose-to-tail experience and the different cuts? Like, what are some people taking away from this that maybe they didn't realize about, like, meat consumption or just meat in general? Um, I think that once we start taking a deep dive into, like, farming practices, that's always a big thing for people. Once they, once they get a little bit, how do I want to say it, closer exposure to, like, an animal because more often than not people are so desensitized to it now like they walk in and they yeah. just see pork chops or they see pork tenderloin and it becomes and it removes that 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 intimacy of 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 this actually being an animal so once they see a whole pig everybody breaks out their phone it's like oh take a picture with it oh my god this i've never seen this before and then it becomes this like totally wildly exciting thing for them and that's great um so i think that i think the first takeaway is that these creatures were walking around and and were sentient beings that 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 we have to give a little bit of respect to because like they're providing nourishment for you so i think once people kind of wrap their heads around that they they tend to take home a little bit more respect and value i think they value the meat that they're going to be eating especially the stuff that they actively participated in bringing home they get to cook that 
So now they're part of two processes. They butchered it. Now they're cooking it and serving it to their friends and family. Like there's a pride of ownership in there as we were talking about when we walked into the clinic. They have that connection now and just the pride. I, I, I would wager that there would be little to no waste on people's plates after that. I think that sure. I think that people who are part of that process are quick to go, no, 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 we're not going to throw that away. That's mm-hmm. going to be used for something. Like, I, I did this. I was an active participant in getting this onto your plate. Like, let's respect this product that we now have in front of us. So uh, I, think that w- I think that that was the main takeaway, and I think that that was always the... The biggest thing for me was to try to bridge that gap of like, you know, pork chops in a, in a meat case, but it was also a walking, living, breathing animal at one point too. Mm-hmm. So once we can connect those two, people tend to have a lot more value in that. So it just has become like, oh, like I, I can go and get pork chops for $1.99 a pound. Why am I going to give you like, a, you know, X amount of dollars for your pork chops? It's like, there's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's value. And it's interesting. I, it, one of the, my favorite things about this podcast, and I probably say it all the time, is how much parallels there are to like what we do to the other people that we talk about. And like mm-hmm. the approach that you're taking with, you know, smaller, like having these smaller groups, like using all the animal, educating, having people have appreciation and understand the value of what they're doing is like the same kind of thing that we try to do here to separate ourselves is we want people to come in here and feel connected and build a relationship and understand why they're doing what they're doing and provide them with value and purpose that's going to make them want to come here. And it may be a little bit different than going somewhere where, you know, you're maybe paying a little bit less or maybe you're going multiple times and doing different things like we really want people to come here and get a value and so it's just cool it's just always cool to hear like the parallels between Mm -hmm. other businesses that take a similar approach that are completely different industries yeah yeah like i I think that my the thing that i regret the most or not even regret i think the thing that i'm missing the most is during these times is that I don't have that connection to the end user right now. That's mm-hmm. that's a that's a bone of contention for me right now. But I'm just trying to try to figure out how to kind of bridge that gap. But uh, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, and and with like I can just tell like going on your website and going on your Instagram and reading your blogs, like there's a bigger purpose behind like what you're doing than just providing someone with a piece of meat Mm -hmm. and is that that value add or is there anything else that you have like a bigger vision with regards to what you want for for yourself and even for your your business i I, you know as the nature of any business you want your business to grow um but i i don't want to say that i'm selective of the customers that i'll work with because that's not the case anybody can go on that website it doesn't require a passcode it doesn't require you to know my middle name nothing right like (laughs) Everyone is welcome to it. I know that there's going to be certain limitations for people that that don't maybe aren't able to buy in bulk or buy the meat shares and stuff like that. Um, I just want to get people that are looking for this product. I want to be able to provide it for them because I think that there is a a large appetite for it. No pun intended. (laughs) But some people just don't know where to get it. So it's it's hard it's harder than you think i mean there's people that are doing an admirable job out there of of of, of merchandising uh, a certain quality animal but it is as we as we stated before it is harder to find than you think for a purely pastured program it's really hard to find so i just want to get it out there to the community because i honestly the more time the more people i'm able to have face to face interactions with with masks um, it's just the conversation inevitably ends up there and people inevitably are on board with it, but it's just like reaching those people, right? So it's mm-hmm. just like, that, that's one of my biggest hurdles right now because I am a small 
fish in a big pond. It's like getting that mm-hmm. word out there. So all of that to say, um, there's a community in, in not only in Dundas, but in Hamilton as well, too, that uh, Waterdown, Ancaster, you name it, like that are, I think, that are actively looking for this. But it's just a matter of, of reaching those people. So, it's, yes, it is. It is community building. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and within that community, I like to think that, you know, I'm available to these people, sometimes almost to a fault. I think my wife would agree. Uh, <laughs> almost to a fault, I'm available to these people at yes. all times. So, I mean, that's the nature of social media and the, and the times we live in. But um, I also think that that's kind of something that, maybe sets me apart as well too is that like I think people are, are are comfortable enough with me maybe either after they've met me through like me dropping off a box or whatever that they that I'm approachable that I'm mm. always happy to answer questions and I try to get back to people as quickly as I possibly can so while it maybe it's not as intimate as a face-to-face interaction at least I'm there for my community yeah so that's cool and, I, and you you can definitely tell that through your, your social platforms like we had never met in per- person before mm-hmm. and like i've been taking a look at your stuff and like you can definitely feel that and it's always it's always cool because we get some feedback on that too so it's always cool when what you're trying to portray and the values that you're trying to deliver on mm-hmm. are actually seen through those platforms because you always hope you're like oh i hope that this is like reaching people the way I want it to reach people and when mm-hmm. you get that verbal feedback it's it's awesome to know that it's aligned so. yeah yeah I mean that's always like a good indicator I mean that and repeat business right so people yeah. who constantly come back sometimes I, I'm, I'm surprised that people are coming back as often as they are I'm happy don't get me yeah. wrong but it's like yeah maybe it's not always going to be like comments on your on your pictures on Instagram or messages of like how amazing stuff is but it's like that return business to me is just kind of like justification and, and, and validation for what you're doing so yeah. that that's what kind of keeps me plugging on so yeah, yeah. cool alright we've got some rapid fire questions for you go okay. so we'll start with this what is your favorite local restaurant it could be Hamilton Dundas area oh boy favorite local restaurant so uh my wife and i because of covid times obviously are not dining out very much but i would say i have to i'll have to say two okay okay so first one is going to be saint james on james street Mm. big fans of those guys we just love supporting and going and like that'll be a treat as we'll load up up the boys in the morning and put our order in for a breakfast and then we just get it to go breakfast from those guys so coffees and stuff like that they have good like breakfast sandwiches and stuff right the drive through yeah yeah. i've heard yeah yeah it's pretty special so yeah it's pretty awesome so uh, that's some place that we treat ourselves to and then um uh i mean this is a bit self-serving because i do share some space with them and they're they're generous enough to to let me use their space but brux house is on lock street has been one of my favorites since it opened so those would be my two spots in hamilton for sure for uh for for restaurants um yeah i would go with those two yeah i got so many places to hit man i know i'm I'm new to the area and i've been saying this i've been saying this all the time right because like but we can't really go well now we can go a little bit more but like there's so many places that i'm like oh man these sound so good like i can't wait to get out and try them well saint james here has coffee so yeah we'll have to make it there (laughs) absolutely yes make Um, a trip okay so what's your favorite cut of meat uh, that's circumstantial, and I don't want to get into a long-winded answer, but let's see. We're going, we're going into winter, so I would say uh, beef short ribs. Okay. Yeah. So just to dive in, we don't have to go deep, but like, is there different types of meat that you like at different times of the year then? Yeah, so okay. I, I always liken it to the people that go and, and will come back from vacation and say like, ah, the, the best beer in the world is a Corona. It's just like, yeah, it is in Mexico when you're yeah. on the beach, right? <laughs> right. Probably not, Context, yeah. not in December, like, you know, around the fireplace. It's, cool. it's probably not Corona, right? It's probably a porter or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's circumstantial. So in the winter, I generally gravitate towards braising cuts. In the summer, it's like grilling options on the barbecue so cool yeah 
Uh, favorite local trail? I am a Christy Lake, huge supporter of Christy Lake because it's literally, oh, I, I know it's three and a half kilometers from my house because I will run to Christy Lake and I'll run uh, the trails in there. And I know it like, I know if I need 10 kilometers, then I know where to turn around and yeah. Christy like to do it. It's just, I've been running those trails for probably the past seven or eight years. And yeah, I just, I just love it because it's familiar, but it's also just stunning back there. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Rich. That's yeah. Rich's favorite trail. Oh yeah? Yeah. When we asked him. So yeah. funny story. I'm pretty uh, sure, right? I'm pretty sure it was. Um, if I'm wrong, people correct me. But it could be I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm you right. You could be wrong. But I could be right. You could be right. <laughs> well, well, my favorite Rich T-shirt is his Ebb and Flow Christy Lake. So how's that? Cool, that circles nice. it back in. Awesome. So, yeah. Um, I had one more for you, and I'm losing. I'm losing it off the top of my head. What does it mean to move local? That's it. So the last question that we like to ask people: um, What does it mean to like move local to you? So I thought about that, um, listening to past guests on the podcast, and everybody has a great answer for that. But for me, moving locally is because I'm a trail runner. Uh, I move locally through the trails. But because of the nature of my business, I also think that moving locally is also offering like the shares in Hamilton and Grimsby and Windsor. I know that those aren't local to the Hamilton area, but I think that it's like actively participating in your community to offer these things in the community. So I'm moving locally on the trails. I'm also moving locally by selling a meat program to the area as well, too. So that's a that's a layered answer for you. It's amazing. Love it. Um, Jamie, why don't you leave where people can find like more about you, whether it's Instagram, website, Okay. Um, my website is jwaldronbutchers.com and uh, Instagram is jwaldronbutchers. I think that if you do a search, you'll find it. I don't remember because there's like underscores and periods yeah, we'll in there somewhere. We'll so. in yeah, you can find <laughs> me on both of those. Awesome. Cool. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. This was a, this was a fun conversation. Like, I think it's something that I want to learn more about. And like, we've kind of talked about it personally together about trying to find like grass fed beef and like good meat. And I think there's it's, there's a lot more to it than just eating the meat and I'm interested in learning so I appreciate like you coming on and, and sharing your passion and all that stuff. Thanks for having me. Uh, enjoy your heavy table and happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.